G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Whenever we raise a big issue or they raise a big issue in the world, we find a way for them to respond. We then start growing kids with a worldview that says, oh, there's the problem in the world. I can do something about that. A recent study by George Barna noted that only 40% of millennials and Gen Zs feel hopeful about the future and only 33% feel deeply cared for by those around them. Quality conversations with our kids is not just prevention, it's a deep need in our society. Our guest today is award-winning author Susie Lee, who wrote Raising Kids Who Care. We'll be discussing how families can deepen their connections through great conversations and how the church can help encourage that. That's Susie Lee with myself, Brett Ryan, for part two of our conversation for Focus on the Family Australia. And she'll be joining us via the internet from our home in New South Wales. Well, welcome to the program. Thanks very much for having me. It's interesting that you mentioned the modelling of your parents. Take us back a little bit. You mentioned that you came from a broken home, parents remarried, blended family. It's not as ideal, but those things do shape us. And so have you done things intentionally to say, I will never do that in my family? And maybe the pendulum swings too far or there's circumstances that you go, I wish I could have had those conversations with my stepdad or stepmom or, or, you know, those type of conversations. So take us a little bit about those things that shape you and then moving forward to how you navigated your own parenting. Um, my When my parents divorced, Dad was an alcoholic and, and found it hard to keep a job after a while and so ended up working overseas. And my brother also ended up being divorced when he had two little kids. And he, in particular... He's a surfing boy from the northern beaches of of Sydney, but he was in Canberra at the time and he's lived in Canberra ever since because being close to his children was really important to him because he felt the classic absent father thing. And he now has four children and he's just become a grandfather and he's fabulous and is one of my, has become one of my role models. We just spent Easter together, our two families, and we um, congratulate ourselves on what great parents we've been because we decided to be. Actually, that's a really good making a decision not to, even though the circumstance for your brother wasn't ideal, he made the decision he wasn't going to be an absent father. And I think that might be encouragement for many of our listeners that you have to make a decision. And I think you used the word intentional before to change that trajectory, to change those patterns of behavior that you didn't want. But unless you make an intentional decision, you will tend to default to the things that you're familiar with. It's so true. Role modelling is the most powerful parenting tool. And so we can either use that for us or against us. Role modelling is really the most powerful thing that we have as parents. So 
you've heard of the sins of the fathers, you know, there's generational things happen. So if a family has a dad who has never been to work, more likely those kids will never go to work either because yeah. they haven't been modelled that. You know, a hardworking family, they model that to the kids, the kids will be hardworking. The thing I'm most proud of in my life is that I've brought generational change. Now, my parents are lovely people and, you know, my mum's, Dad was an alcoholic. Dad's family threw him out. He became an alcoholic because he was abandoned by his family. How terrible must that yeah. be, right? So they are good people, but they didn't have the skills. You yeah. know, psychology was hardly a thing yet. We know amazing amounts more now. But by deciding, by being intentional about my parenting, I have brought about generational change. My kids now are so much more emotionally intelligent than I was at their age. Yeah. Um, my kids feel safe. I've got, you know, absent father issues, you know, try and does my father love me that, you know, every, every decade I've been in counselling and it's, it's always to do with yeah. that. My kids will not have that issue. Mm. Um, and my kids are people who care. They are, you know, they've chosen for professions where they can be involved and helping the world you know this i think is what life is about yeah it's quite common you hear oh yeah i want to give my kids everything that i didn't have as a child and sometimes we think of those as material things but i guess i think of them as relational things yeah you know my my parents were not very involved as grandparents i've just found that i'm about to become a grandparent i am going to be a really great grandparent <laughs> yes join the club it's a, a well and truly a special club all my friends tell me it's wonderful and they say that one of my friends said oh being a grandparent is better than being a parent i said how is that possible that can't be true and she said yes because you're so happy that your child is about to experience the love that you experienced having them. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? It is. It certainly is. And to watch them from afar, making the good decisions and the not so good decisions, mm -hmm. and it's fascinating. And I, I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. We talked about your community, your village is your church. How do you think the church could help parents and families and people in general having greater conversations? Is there some things that the church could do better? I guess I'm a little bit concerned that in our culture at the moment, we send kids out to learn things. We send them out for music lessons and we send them out for sports lessons and we send them out separate to us. There are a few- Outsourcing, we call it. <laughs> outsourcing. And I there's nothing wrong with them per se. Sure. They're all good, giving them experiences, but I hear what you're saying. But we, I think we do that in churches as well, that we'll just send our kids to half an hour of Sunday school and that will be their spiritual development. And I think especially considering the pressures from our culture today, that's not really going to be enough. Mm. And so, again, we need to be intentional about finding time to do that. Um, I think churches can do a, a better job of trying to give family time. And it doesn't family in the broader sense of the word. Um, one of the things that I've done at my church is have intergenerational services. During lockdown, we even did this over Zoom, um, where we sit people around tables or in, in small groups, and maybe it would be a family, but maybe it would be a family plus a single person, or maybe it would be, mm -hmm. you know, some older people who become the grandparents of that family for the course yeah. of the day. Then I would take them through one of the conversations in the book and get them to have intergenerational conversations. Yeah. 
which works really, really well. People have loved doing that. It's great. I think churches could then put on events, maybe pick a different theme or a different issue each time. I remember when my kids were in primary school, I think, gosh, you meet more people in your life when your kids are in primary school than any other time. I remember talking about issues, you know, at at the primary school gate with other mums. Imagine if I could say, oh, yes, I'm worried about technology too. Actually, down at our church next week, we're having an event where we get families in together to talk about what's the effect of our social media in our family and to yeah. you know, draw up some agreements together. That's great. And it's real. It's what people are facing and how we can change. And I love how the book is sort of entitled, this book will change the world one family at a time. And it means that we can, you know, change the culture of consumerism and the wealth and individualism and technology and all the social things and the troubles, we can be overwhelmed with all the things that aren't going so well, but we can also focus on the things that are going well. And having those conversations will be a wonderful thing. You mentioned earlier that uh, kids have got so much to offer, particularly young adults. They've probably got a lot more to say. So you've done some sort of research in about what young adults would give their parents. So what's that all about? Yeah, I I did a survey of some young adults that I know who I've literally known all their lives. I've been at my village church for 30 odd years and I've watched them grow up into really caring young adults. And so I asked them, what advice would you have for parents to help them raise caring kids? And it was really interesting. They talked about role modelling and how important that was, that you need to practice what you preach. There's been some amazing research done with 25,000 young adults all around the world that found that young adults, whilst they're called the connected generation, they're actually feeling lonely, but they really want to contribute to the world and they want to see adults practising what they preach. Um, Many young adults are leaving churches because they're not seeing that. They're not seeing churches looking at issues that are relevant to them. So these young adults are saying to me, you need to be role modelling. If you're going and taking food to a neighbour who's not well, take your kids with you. Let them see that. Um, They said, make sure you listen to your kids. And we've talked quite a lot about that. Um, But they also said, make sure you expose your kids to the world. So not to protect them all. They need to see the warts and all. Yeah, so not just talk to them about the issues of the world, take them to volunteer at a soup kitchen or take them to be part of whatever issue it is that you care about and expose them to the problems of the world and let them talk about it. They said limit social media. Don't worry about saying no, you can't do it. Don't worry about making them unhappy. Make sure that you're limiting what they're exposed to in terms of of technology. Isn't that interesting that if, if you spoke to them when you said when they were teenagers mum and dad said to turn off and they go no you know i don't need to and as they become young adults they're thinking yeah i think it would have been good advice which is really helpful to know isn't it because you feel so bad at the time but having a voice in your head saying no when my child grows up they're going to thank me for this um is really useful and over and above they said it's all about love it's all about loving them make sure your kids know that you love them yeah even when they make mistakes Absolutely. Today's guest is Susie Lee, award-winning author who wrote Raising Kids Who Care with myself, Brett Ryan, for Focus on the Family, Australia.
The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Welcome back. I'm Brett Ryan for Focus on the Family in Australia, and I'm speaking to author Susie Lee. Now, in your book, you talk about the conversations helping families navigate four big areas of life. Can you unpack those four big areas? Yep. You just mentioned, I said, I'm trying to change the world one family at a time. The ultimate aim of my book and my life is changing the world (laughs) because I worked for some aid and development organisations. I've travelled, I've seen that there are people around the world that need our help, but I've also seen that there are kids around the world doing amazing things. So what I wanted to do was help kids here understand that they have a great life. We're actually happier if we're grateful that we have electricity and running water, but we don't have that unless we have a perspective that, oh, there are some people in the world that don't have those things. That's really hard. How can we help them? And, oh, wow, I feel good about my life and I would like to help others. I think that is really good for kids, right? And it's good for Have a broader perspective, not about me, the individual, but having an outward expression. I mean, we're meant to love God and love others. And we tend to find that we love ourselves more and we can get distracted and realising there's so much more that we could be doing. And and to instil that into our children at a very young age sets them on a great trajectory. But when I sat down to do that, I realised that you can't go straight there. (laughs) If kids are in a family where we don't talk to each other, where we haven't had discussions about big issues in the world before, we have to go a few steps backwards. And when I did that, I realised there were four steps. So the first stage is relationships. How are our relationships going? We talked before about listening skills. In each of the four sections, there are 10 conversations. Three of my conversations in that first relationship one are all about developing listening skills because it's such a foundational skill for life that we don't often remember to teach it. It's a skill. It's a skill that we can learn. Um, conflict resolution skills, forgiveness skills. You know, what do I do when I've messed up? How do we cope with that sort of thing? Yeah. So the first big area is is relationships because once we've got our relationships, once we've started practising, you know, having good conversations together, then we can build on that. So the next one is our culture. I think it's really helpful for kids to understand the effect that their culture is having on them. You often don't realise this unless you go to another culture and think, oh, I didn't know you could do it a different way. You might, you might find that just yeah. when you're a kid, if you just go to a different family and, oh, oh, they do things differently to in our house. That's how you start being able to analyse and choosing the type of culture that you want for yourself and your own family. And so I really became aware, especially when I was working in aid and development, that consumerism is having a big effect on all of us and especially on kids you know the most highly paid psychologists in the world are paid by the advertising industry i had this terrible quote from a someone in advertising that we are aiming to find your deepest insecurities and open them up with a crowbar <sighs> yeah isn't that awful it's, it's <laughs> very sad but you know that's advertising and to buy things that you don't really need 
well, don't even want, but you have to feel like you have to keep up with everyone else. But when I looked into that more deeply, what's going on there is if I don't have good relationships, if I've had a, you know, a fight with my husband or if I've had a bad day at work, then I might want retail therapy to make me feel better, right? And consumerism is like, yeah, do that. Yeah. Better would be to go and have a good conversation with my husband or my boss to resolve that conflict. So once we've built those foundations, then we can start talking to our kids about, well, this is what consumerism is and this is the effect it has on you. And just by giving them that information, that knowledge, that starts protecting them from it. It helps them rather than it just sort of soaking in, they're able to, oh, isn't that silly? Oh, I can, you know, they start to push back against it. The same with technology. I have a couple of conversations in there about how do we talk together about technology? How Let's look at some of the research. If we are passive about social media, um, if our relationships are not good and we're passive just scrolling, it's bad for teenagers. But if teenagers are using it as a way to connect to their friends if they're active if they're posting stuff and having conversations actually it's good for them so knowing that sort of nuance is really helpful it's empowering so that's the second big area the third big area is i've talked about a little bit building our character our inner selves and so looking at things like wisdom and generosity and gratitude and and how do we um how do we deal with some of the difficulties of life we know that anxiety and depression are big issues at a Mm. young younger age so what sort of resilient skills can we give to our kids and there are conversations about that and then once you've stepped through those areas then the world one looks at how can I make a difference to the world? I said before, if you watch the news, you know every big problem in the world and that's not good for you. But what I think is really helpful with kids is whenever we raise a big issue or they raise a big issue in the world, we find a way for them to respond. Yeah. Because that responding is empowering. We then start growing kids with a worldview that says, oh, there's the problem in the world. I can do something about that. Yeah. And kids can do amazing things. Mm. And there's some great inspiring stories of, you know, young people, quite entrepreneurial, you know, raising money to give to children overseas, you know, raising water wells or building little teddy bears to give to children in hospitals. There's some amazing inspiring stories. So you can't do everything, but you can do one thing. And if we can get our kids to have an outward perspective to be an advocate to either be part of the change i think that's really inspiring Uh, i have a good story that illustrates that if we have time for me to tell it when my kids were in primary school i was teaching scripture in the in the school but i was also involved with an aid and development organization so i was teaching a class about world poverty and you know i had them line up across the room where do you think you're rich or where do you think you're poor and you know they all lined up and then we talked about what amazing kids were doing in a community in kenya that i knew of and and how they were educating the rest of the community and and what their life was like and how they had to walk to get water and you know when the kids lined up again they were all bunched up the rich end they had a better perspective and i came home that afternoon and my kids 
said to me, oh, we've been looking at this really useful gift catalogue where you can buy a goat for someone overseas who really needs it or buy a toilet or, you know, buy some some seeds for somebody and, and you get the card but the person overseas gets the thing that's really yeah. helpful. And they said, we've decided that we want to do jobs around the house to earn some money so that we can buy one of everything in the catalogue. Now, at that moment, I thought, oh, I was such a bad parent. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, no, they can't do that. That's too hard. It added yeah. up. They, they told me it added up to $5,500. I was like, they were primary school. I'm like, how are they going to do this? And so I- That's a lot of chores. I know. <laughs> and so I said to them, well, it's nearly Christmas. How about you write a letter to everyone in your family and say, this Christmas, please give us something from this catalogue instead of a Christmas present. So they did that. And- for the next three years, they had no Christmas presents and no birthday presents. But let me tell you, their parents were more generous to them than they ever had been before. And it took them three years, but they did it. They wow. raised $5,500. And I like to think of this as kind of a, the dance of parenthood. I told them about an issue in the world and gave them some inspiration for how some people were dealing with it. They came back to me with a creative idea of what they wanted to do. I then helped facilitate them working on that idea. They then had to do the work. I then had to give generously to make to make that happen. You see the, the to and fro it was yeah. between the parents and the kids to make this thing happen. But at the end... My kids had this worldview that, oh, there's a problem in the world and I can do something about it. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, we're running out of time and this has been so rich and we're really, really appreciative of your time and, and talking about this book of raising kids that care. Um, really, you want to change the world one family at a time but really you're changing the mindset to have this attitude of gratitude to be more caring of our world and those in that world and to be able to not just be consumers but to be contributors. So in our last few moments, what would you like to say to the family right now who's saying, yep, sign us up. We need to start having these great conversations. What would you say to them? It's easy. Just do it. <laughs> um if you're needing inspiration, grab the book. There's 40 different conversations that you could have. I've tried to make them fun. I've tried to make them simple enough that the kids could read them and, in fact, lead the conversations to make sure that our parents are not doing too much lecturing, to make sure that we're learning something together. There's, a, there's something really powerful about a family learning together rather than someone telling something to someone else. But, you know, there are... There are loads of things you can do. Maybe there's something that that you found out at work today that you can bring home and share. Maybe really engaging in conversations that are positive and curious with your kids. So rather than saying, you know, what did you do at school today? What was the best thing that happened today? What was one amazing thing that you learned? You know, something that's positive and curious. It's easy to have conversations. We just have to be intentional. Yeah, and then for those who've got a faith, we can always incorporate our faith journey in there. 
And, uh, and whereas it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and then impress them upon your children when they're getting up in the morning, when they're going to sleep at night, when you're walking along the road, or when you're driving them to all those busy things, we can incorporate our faith and having those great faith conversations. Well, Susie, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. To find out more about her award-winning book from author and guest, Susie Lee, or have her share to your community, go to RaisingKidsWhoCare.info. That's RaisingKidsWhoCare.info. Our website and our Family Cast platform has numerous articles and videos on how to have those conversations on many of the big issues. Go to families.org.au. I'm Brett Ryan, and on behalf of the team, we look forward to you tuning in again for another edition of Focus on the Family Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.